Hello, everybody. I'm Quay Brees, and it's showtime here again in Berks County where we have our show, The Watchman, here on Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. Folks, it's a beautiful day in southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, on a February. Thank goodness for global warming. Right now, we have our global our global warming science expert, green expert, uh, Annette Baker, back with us today. She's also a homeschool teacher, and she's been on our show for five years, folks. She's back with us today. Talk a little bit about what's going on. Welcome back to the show, Annette. Thanks. Glad to be back. Lots to talk about, I'm sure. Oh, there's a lot to go over here, Annette. I wanted to get into, uh, and now we're chatting a little bit about about the escalation of why O'Biden might be escalating the war. Annette, why don't you share with our listeners what your thoughts are on why you think O'Biden's escalating the war? Well, I just, uh, I was, uh, when we were talking about it a little bit earlier, you know, it uh, brought to mind... Um, uh, the the thought that that many people say, have said and postulated that the reason the United States came out of the Great Depression uh, and the economic slump that they were in at the time was not because of the policies of the president. It was actually because of the world, you know, the uh, demand for goods and services that that was brought on by World War II. And um, you know, it, it makes sense when you start ramping up the uh, military industrial complex meaning, you know, companies that provide military equipment, um, you know, food, that kind of stuff. When you start adding that together, uh, that revs up the economy. There, there's increased demand. Um, and right now what we're seeing is, you know, the high prices with inflation, um, demand is, is high, but um, production is low and that's a problem. So this is actually, I think, in, in this particular situation could actually make inflation deepen um there's definitely a possibility of that which no one wants that um especially right now unless you're you know with the government and they're telling you that inflation has nothing to do with with short demand and and higher prices uh which you know at most economic uh folks will tell you that that's completely wrong um so it's it's going to be interesting to see if that's you know if that's what's going on. Um, obviously, there's enough domestically that's going on that the Biden administration has to deflect. Um, you know, there's hearings that are going on about the Biden crime family uh, investigations that they're talking about. That you know there may be issues with money laundering. There may be issues with um, uh, obviously Hunter Biden's laptop drug you know, possession there, drug use, um, potentially, you know, some, uh, pretty, uh, pretty nefarious things that have been going on. So I think they're, they're trying to find any way that they can to deflect and change the story and change the narrative. And I think that, uh, you know, increasing involvement in, in the Ukraine situation would definitely do that. You know, and it, it does. And, and, you know, this isn't Iraq or Syria, right? I mean, Russia can actually start a nuclear war when we invoke Article Five, right? Oh, absolutely. So this—I mean, this isn't in the best interest of the world, is it? No, this is this is actually, um, you know, and what is happening in in Europe right now, particularly Ukraine, um, you know, this is upsetting the the geopolitical stability worldwide now because before. It was about Russia and and Ukraine and Russia building or trying to reconstruct 
the um, border states that they had as a cushion, um, which is is why it was the United uh, Soviet Union, um, because they had a lot of border states. And when the, the Soviet Union fell apart, those border states became separate countries again, um, not controlled by by the Soviets. And you know, with all of this changing now, um, you know, the idea that China. Uh, and you tie in the, the balloon incident that happened, when you start to look at how all of this fits together globally um, and how it's all interconnected, it, we, are, we are in a very precarious position worldwide right now because there's some that are predicting we, we could see a, a war with China by 2025, 2027. So there's a lot of concern about how rapidly a lot of these things are changing and aligning, you know, states are aligning with with each other. You know, you're looking at the some potential changes with the United Nations. There's other countries like Finland, and I believe it was Finland, and um, I want to say Norway. It was another smaller uh, Scandinavian country. Uh, it might might have been uh, Norway, but I know Finland. I believe Finland had has asked to join uh, the European Union. And 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 uh, I'm sorry, the uh, United Nations as a as a protected country, and um, they're concerned about being invaded. And Poland is concerned. Um, there's deep concern about the uh, if Ukraine falls. Um, there's concern that Poland will be the next target of the Soviet Union or the Soviet uh, the Russian the Russian uh, oligarch Putin. No, there's no there's no question. And you, and you know what? It's interesting when you look back in the 1800s. We we didn't even have a, a an army. I mean, we hardly had an army in this country until the Civil War, and then we had like like over a million people in the army, and then we went down to we had like sixty seventy thousand people in the army until about 1898, and then we ended up with a another million people or so in the army, and then we ended up with a, a big army back in the World War One area and the World War Two area, and obviously we've maintained a big army since then. But what's interesting is Poland was another one. I mean, when, when Germany was was growing their army in the 30s, uh, France had a large army, and so did in Germany. But I should say so did in England. But they they were just being outspent in mean, Germany. You see, what's happening is that the countries that are growing their 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 army, growing their military apparatuses, are the ones that are, are posing a problem. I I think. What Russia is showing the world right now in the Ukraine is they can't win a war. I mean, they can't. They, they can't beat the Ukraine. Can't beat the Ukraine. Think about it. I mean, I'm I'm amazed they could beat the Ukraine here. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I think Poland's got a better army than the Ukraine. <laughs> I would think so too. I you know it's it is interesting that um, that the Ukraine has been able to withstand um, the Russian invasion as long as they have. Um, and it's it's something that um, you know it, it's like I said it's destabilizing the whole area and making it uh, you know a really um, precarious situation because as things escalate you know there's going to have to be a resolution at some point and what that resolution is going to be we don't know and you're right there is concern about the use of nuclear weapons or or um, you know something that that could adversely affect large numbers of people more more than what have already been affected because nuclear fallout will spread across Europe it won't be constrained just to the borders of Ukraine it will be everywhere and that will be something that um 
you know, it could it can definitely um you know, potentially even affect us here in the United States, depending on what what happens over there. But then, you know, you have all of that kind of stuff playing out, and we've are we're looking at shortages here in the United States. We've got stuff that's going on domestically, um, and then you throw something like that that would in, would affect everyone internationally. And with Europe struggling right now uh, with energy costs and and energy shortages, um, you throw you know, something like, like a uh, escalating war in Ukraine, it's going to get even dicier over there, I think. Well, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on. I guess uh, Biden administration, oh, Biden's lowering up, uh, lowering, lawyering up Mayorkas. Uh, Mayorkas' job is being threatened. I think what's interesting is you and I have talked about how at the Republican Congress, they can impeach some of these people. Like they can impeach Mayorkas. Now, when they impeach Mayorkas, and they're going to do this, because Mayorkas lied under oath, okay? He lied. I mean, when he says the border is secure, he's, he's lying, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so they got him lying under oath. I mean, they they could they could, they can hang this guy out to dry. So the you know, Biden administration has uh, signed a contract with New York New York based law firm, uh, a you know a, law, a lawyer's firm to to uh, basically to brief Mayorkas and, and the administration officials on how to handle document requests and questions from congressional investigators and to defend the Department of uh, Homeland Security and Mayorkas if Republicans move forward with an impeachment. They're going to, by the way. They're going to have to because this guy is utterly incompetent. But what's going to come out of an impeachment trial, I think we have to realize this, what's going to come out here is the general notion that, uh, what see, either Mayorkas is incredibly incompetent or he's following very incompetent direction from Biden. It's one or the other. I mean, what what do you think of that? I actually go with answer C, which is both. The Biden policies are incompetent and Mayorkas is incompetent. So if you have two incompetent people, it just makes for what we have right now. I cannot understand. I mean, unless they are planning to do something, you know, they were planning this and it's on purpose. Um, that's the only thing that I can think of that it could possibly be any worse. Um, and even then, it's like they're they're trying to think, you know, obviously, the policies that they've implemented are just a, a hot mess. And, and my orcas, you know, by saying that they the border is more secure, I don't understand how they can can even say that other than they're trying to gaslight everybody into believing what they want us to believe which isn't working, which is good. Um, it's good for us, bad for them um, in, in that regard. So it's it's something that, uh, you know, it's interesting. There, There's, uh, um, I just read an article that, that was talking about how uh, the governor of, or the uh, mayor of New York is moving folks from New York to upstate New York, Pottsburg, where I went to college and for my undergraduate degree. And um <laughs> I uh, actually was had had found a thread on Twitter and and said, "Wait a minute! I thought that was human trafficking. When is he going to get in trouble for that?" Um, because that was the the whole you know hullabaloo about the governors from the border states moving people uh, up to New York and to um, Cape Cod and and uh, Martha's Vineyard and all that kind of stuff. It was all human trafficking, right? And now. That the Democrats have decided that they can do it, it's, it's no problem. Um, hypocrisy on display. Um, so it's, it's you know it's just 
it's astounding to me sometimes that you know they they think that we are so unintelligent that we're not going to remember things that we're not going to care and i think what's happening or at least i hope is happening is that people are waking up and they're realizing they have to pay attention they need to to care about what's going on and they need to get involved and they need to start holding people accountable um you know it, it, it if that happens i think we see change i was actually uh watching a, a video the other day of a man who is a um a former cia agent and uh, he was being asked certain questions and one of the questions that he was asked was um if the united states stays on its current path uh how long do you think it will survive and his answer was 10 years and that made me very sad because you know here we have a, a country that uh, has been around for well over two centuries now and has been a beacon of freedom uh, and and a light to the world and you know to think that that light may go out if people don't step up and do the work that's necessary um it made me sad and it made me want to kind of run out and start grabbing people and saying come on you know get wake up get moving get involved find find a place where you can help to to hold back the tide to, to change the course of where we're going and i think that's what you know what's happening now is people need to understand we have very little time to write the ship well one thing is to get involved with that we got the presidential election coming up uh, by the end of this year we're going to have it wind down with trump at the top right now governor DeSantis, uh you know he's not made any inclination he's um he's down by 20 points to trump in polling but i I don't think he's going to run. I just don't. He's going to make his announcement. If you're going to do it, he'll make his announcement this spring. But I don't. He just got elected. I, I just don't think the guy's going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's going to stay the governor. I think he'll wait until he'll make a declaration. And you know, because he can easily run. You know, he can make an announcement to run. Right. He, he just won, but he can make an announcement to run at the end of his second term. He can decide what he wants to do with the success of the state. That'll help him immensely. But I mean. Trump is likely going to win the Republican primary. I mean, you got Sununu in New Hampshire just said he's going to run against Trump. What's Sununu? You think Sununu can beat Trump? Who? Sununu in New Hampshire. Who? Sun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're getting my point. Yeah, he doesn't have the name recognition. Um, yep. yep. I think that uh, he is definitely more of a moderate, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays with with the, the folks. Um you know, in the, in the party. Um, I don't know that, you know, I don't think that he has what it takes to be able to, um, to overcome Trump's, uh, you know, his ability to, to challenge anyone that may decide to run. Um, it's going to take, if someone is going to be able to challenge him, it's got to be somebody that has a lot of name recognition, um, and has the money to to put up you know and has a has the ability to to you know to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him well um we, we, i know uh, in, in in four years or eight years i i would put some money out there that sarah huckabee sanders is going to be one of those front runners if well, she does well as governor let, let me just say this okay oh biden uh in his um this is his third state of the, the this is his third state of disunion correct that he did Third state of disunion, yep. 
Yep, yeah. So that he just gave his third state of disunion. In his third state of disunion, I mean Trump's third state of uh, Trump's third state of the union address, Trump actually had about forty million people tune in. Well, Biden's third state of disunion address, he had twenty seven point three million ones. So Americans aren't exactly interested. Now they were mocking him in the House, of course, and I think that the Americans got they got a they got a bird's eye view of that. They they didn't like what they saw, but I thought it was interesting that his ratings were like some of the lowest ever. Um I mean, what do you think on that? I mean, it's on 16. It was on 16 networks. Yeah, it was probably 15 too many. Um, I think that, you know, unfortunately um, for the country, we saw, and I only caught a little bit of the speech because I honestly um, had a lot of other things going on. So I wasn't, I didn't take the time to watch it. I did watch Sarah Huckabee Sanders' rebuttal, um, because I, I was curious as to how she would respond and what she would say. Um, and from what little bit I did hear of the president's uh, speech, it was the same old thing. It was Republicans are evil. They want to take your Social Security and your Medicaid away, um, which <laughs> I just couldn't believe. You know, and, and they're booing, you know, and, and they're like, no, that's not true. And, of course, that that's how... The left always, you know, the, the Democrats always put that stuff out there. It seems um, that's the same old playbook they've been using for 30 years. Well, let me, that, let me just uh, say, it's the lowest audience in 30 years. This was the mm -hmm. lowest audience in 30 years. Now, just to keep in mind, I misspoke when I said his Trump's third State of the Union was 40 million. It was actually closer to 50 million, like 47 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he had almost double that. This was the lowest audience in 30 years. Why is that? And why was 75% of the viewers elderly? <laughs> they said 75% of the viewers were over 55. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're, he's not playing to the base. You know, that's been obvious because he's not implementing for the younger, the Gen Xers and younger. I guess you'd call them millennials and younger. Actually, Gen X would be a little bit older, but maybe Gen Z and younger. Um, for a lot of those folks, he has not been he has not been living up to what they want him to do. So there's been some dissatisfaction there, I think. Um, and and honestly, I think those that that are 55 and up, uh, a lot of people probably are like, "Ooh, I just want to see the train wreck." Um, you know, it's kind of the gawking you can't, you know, ignore when you go past the scene of an accident. There is always that part of it, I guess, um, that people want to see, you know, how outlandish is it going to be? Um, and then, of course, there's always there's folks that believe he's doing a fantastic job, that he is a wonderful or the best president in recent, you know, in modern history, um, that he's just fantastic and they they want to be able to watch um him you know as he performs on the stage now you know it's interesting somebody asked kevin mccarthy are you going to tear up well the president's speech after after he's done and mccarthy was like of course not because we respect the you know, was, the, you know it's, well, it's just totally different well i thought what was interesting was you look at the uh when you look at the people that viewed the state of this union that viewed previous State of the Union addresses, 
it's interesting that the number of people that viewed it as very, very positive. Now, when Barack Hussein Obama actually did his 50% average said very positive, and when George W. Bush was 53% said very positive, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump each had 54% averages. Believe it or not, Trump had 54% average. Yeah. Very positive state of the union. Well, Biden was 38%. I thought uh -huh. that, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, 38%, very, very, that was very positive. Now, of course, it was another 40%, or not quite, but another 30, you know, 35% that said it was positive. So, in, in other words, 72% of Americans had a positive reaction to it. But 34% had a very positive reaction to it. Now, with 38%. So, that's really an interesting thing. I mean, very positive. I mean, that should have been 50% or higher, and it wasn't. You know, Trump and Biden were virtually tied, having the highest average of those Americans who said they had a very negative view, 12, 12%, 11%. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. The poll reflects how the, you know, when uh, when you look at the viewers, I mean, you know, Biden, he still has trouble with younger Americans. Nobody watched it. I mean, anybody younger than 45, okay, just 21% watched. I mean, that you know, that Trump had more... Obviously, he had more viewers, but I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I think people are just tuned out of this guy. They know he's a, they know he's a walking faux pas. I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think what they're, especially younger viewers, like I said, you know, they're looking to AOC and the squad and other folks, you know, Hakeem Jeffries. They're looking to people like that to, to be the leaders, to be the people to set the tone. And they look at the pre at President Biden as a necessary uh, part of the framework, but definitely not someone that they're identifying with, that they're aligning with um, in, in large numbers. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the uncle, the, <laughs> if anybody has like an aunt or, or uncle or, you know, family member per se that, you know, you kind of tolerate. Um, I think that's kind of what what is happening right now with younger folks is, you know, there's there's that person that you have to tolerate at the, you know, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, but you're not exactly going to go out of your way to seek to have a relationship or, or spend time with that person. So I think that's kind of the way, you know, President Biden is being viewed by a lot of folks that are younger now that are are just kind of like, you know what, we whatever we got to do, we'll just deal with it. But you know, it's not, um, they're not looking to him necessarily to be the leader of the party. Um, and that's, I think that's indicative of, of the numbers that, you know, we saw with the, with the, uh, state of the disunion. Well, I mean, I thought it was interesting because, uh, yeah, in his state of disunion, he tried to say that they created 12 million new jobs, but his definition of job creation conflates the general, the generation of new jobs with the natural return of workers to the workforce following everybody being locked down. I think that's just a very compelling point. So when, when you know, when the nation lost more than 20 million jobs between March of 9th of 2020 to April of 2020, I mean, in one month, the nation lost 20 million jobs. People don't realize that. Right. So if Biden, you know, if Biden came in, I mean, it, it, it would can only go one way. So, yeah, 12 million new jobs. Let me help you here, folks. I mean, it, everybody sees the economy for what it really is, and it's a mess. And, uh, you know, the the fact that he's conflating the, the generation of new jobs, like I said, with the national return of workers to the workforce, that's 
people aren't buying it. The job market is what it is. I mean, it's it's not very good. You know, Biden benefited from the waning the waning of the COVID nineteen pandemic's effects on the economy. The rehiring of workers who lost their jobs during the shutdowns. That's that's just a fact. Okay. And uh, you know, I just think it's uh, it's just very compelling. But whatever the case is, I mean, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today, for being with us today on this beautiful Saturday afternoon, right here on AM Radio 11 WFYL. And uh, we'll see you next week, folks, on The Watchmen. For Ned Baker, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now. <laughs>